Hey there, you're welcome to Founders Connect, a show where I have conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and operators in Africa. This is the right show for you to be listening to if you love behind the scenes stories about people, their careers, and not your businesses. My name is Pissy Timmy, and I'm very, very, very delighted to be your host. You can follow this conversation on social media, hashtag Founders Connect. You can watch the video of each episode on my YouTube channel at PCTME or just search for Founders Connect on YouTube to find the playlist. Also, please share this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a rating, and you know, share it, hashtag Founders Connect. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm having a conversation with Marvin, he's the founder and CEO of Raise. Raise is a platform that you can use to send, buy and sell equity, and sell equity across yeah. Africa. I was almost there. So close. <laughs> anyway guys, so let's have this conversation. Make sure you watch this video to the end, leave your comment, leave your like, share the video, subscribe to the channel, you know, all of it make me happy. But yeah, let's, let's meet Marvin and his company. Hi Marvin. How you doing? I'm good. It's my first you? YouTube video. Ever? First time, yo. I've never been on the other side of the camera. Ah, look at that. It's my pleasure to help you do this. Same. Best Same. time. It's my first time in Nairobi. Welcome. I hope you all enjoy the city. I Many hope so to too. I mean, help me out. Like, and it's not winter like the... in London. Thankfully. Yeah. But I was hoping it was going to be hotter, but mm. it's not. No, you um, came at a bad time. You know, when, when's a good time week. to come? Huh? When's, when's a good time to come? Now. <laughs> but you unlucky because the weather's not been nice this last week. Storms. <laughs> Maybe before Strange. I go, it would, it would be better. Mm. I, I want, I, I crave heat. Mm. I'm craving heat. Mm. And I, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, because you in the winter, right? Yep. That ain't nice. <laughs> I used to live in Canada, so I could, I could relate. Oh, yeah? yeah Where did cool. you grow up? In the Bahamas. Oh, you're born so, there, you're from there? I'm a son of the Bahamas. And then I was born in Paris and grew up there. And then I studied in Canada. So that's when I was in the cold. Okay, let's it's let's horrible. go back to that story. Let's go so back. you were born in the Bahamas. I was born in Paris. You were born, you were born. Raised in the Bahamas. Let's do like so. Okay, go. Tell me about growing up and tell me your background. The question is so much easier. Born in Paris, raised in the Bahamas, studied and educated in Canada. And then I ended up in Nairobi. I moved to Nairobi. Okay, there's obviously yeah. more to the story. Yeah. Are your parents from, are your parents French or are mm. they from the Bahamas or are they Canadians? What's the... My parents are, my mother is French, my father is from the Bahamas. Oh, okay. And I studied in Canada because when you have a French passport in Montreal, you could study at like almost no cost and that's all we could afford. Okay. Went there, I'm a student of Pan-African political economy and history and that's what I studied in Rodin and then I did a law degree in cross-border arbitration between countries. Okay. And the core of my thesis was how could we build, as a student of Pan-African economic history, how can we build financial, social, economic infrastructures for our people to be financially independent and not dependent on powers that didn't work out for us in hmm. the first instances. Sounds very smart. Not really. <laughs> like, it's, it's a whole wave, right? Like, the thing is, everything happens in themes and cycles, right? And there's been themes and cycles of Pan-African unity mm. in different forms. At one point it was militant, then it became um, economic, and then it became socio-political, which is what we're in right now. That's the cycle. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so why did you move to Nairobi and why are you building for Africa? Because mm. Canada, Paris, yeah. Bahamas, 
Nairobi. A member of the diaspora, no? <laughs> like, that's the strongest thing. The Caribbean is the home of Pan-African diaspora, right? So when you had that cycle Did you of, ever visit Africa before you moved? Nah, yo. Just get on so the plane. tell me about what, what, what in your experience uh, made... I mean, okay, you, you're diaspora, uh, yes. Uh, but what in your experience or in your upbringing sort of like connected you to the Africa where that you decided I, I want to build something and I'm going to build it for Africa and I'm going uh -huh. to move to Africa to do it with all of your pure experiences with another continent. I think one thing is that when, so in school I literally was just studying Pan-African economic history, right? And a lot of that is Caribbean authors. What made you interested in that? I don't know. I mean, it just felt like when you grew up in a diaspora, when you grew up in the Caribbean, you quickly learn about the horrible things that happen to our people, mm. right? And like many, 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 many years. Mm. And you could either choose to just ignore that, which is probably the safer and easier route, or confront it and try and do something about it. And mm. I just always felt compelled to do that. Um, and then I'm a Rastafari, and a very <laughs> central tenet of Rastafari is exactly that. Pan-African economic and social unity is the happiest way for black people to live. Always mm. been the case. And we just had such a hard time, it's time for us to rise. And you can see that happening all over the world. It's not just like me or you. Even this conference she's just talking about, all these illiquid, 23-year-old African millionaires just walking around. It's incredible. So creating that independence is how we can um, create the things that we want to create and the future we want to create, not the future that's been created and ordained for us. Mm. Okay. I have many questions. I know. I can see it all over your face. <laughs> I saw like, like six. <laughs> Go for it. Like, yeah, 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 where do we start from? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested in... Okay, let's, let me let me go back to your mm. bringing. Mm. Tell me what your most favorite childhood memory is. Mm. You poking my soul for real? No. <laughs> not joking. No. My favorite childhood. What's yours? What's yours? Tell me. Ah. Yeah, nice, right? <laughs> this is a good, bad, interesting interview. What's my favorite memory um, as mm. a child? I think it was playing for. So there's this. So I grew up in Benin City in Nigeria mm. in Edo mm. State, mm. as in the South. Um, and so I used to, I was, I was a tomboy, they call it tomboy then, I call it androgynous now, doesn't really matter. But yeah, so um, there's this field close to my house, it was a really big field, like a hundred by hundred plots of land, um, and it was cleared, and we used to play football there. I mm. remember, I mean football is 11-11, right, I remember being the only girl, and mm. it would be like 21 nice. other boys. Nice. And Every day after school, we'll just play football, and my mom would come back. I would be shouting, me, what are you doing there? And all of that stuff. And it was fun. And then eventually, the beauty of Jehovah Weakness Church in that place, which uh, I mean is classic. for God, but I mean, I miss playing football there. Okay, you still play football? Um, I would still kick a soccer ball if I see now. <laughs> but I stopped just actively yeah. doing it as a thing in my 200 level. Now I'm mm. doing things like karate and roller skating. Respect. Now tell me about you. Nice. This whole time I couldn't think of a childhood memory. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I, I guess what, how was a child? How far can I go? As far as you want. But I'm still struggling. I you think, I guess childhood memory is, I played a lot of tennis growing up. And that was like a Did refuge. you play tennis? If a tennis ball lying around. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the way you did it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a racket, I'll find a way to play. But no, now I fight. I'm a Muay Thai fighter. And um, I haven't played tennis in a while. But that's a favorite memory because that was like an escape from, um, not an escape, but also just like a focus on mm. one very specific thing all of the time for many years in a row. So I think that's a lot of important moments on the court. Hmm. Discipline. Discipline is a very important theme that we should all have in our lives. Discipline and focus. Okay. 
um, so you studied the Pan-Africanism and then you did law mm. after that, mm. right? Um, mm. after, after school, this was probably like how many years in total? Oh, yo, I was studying like university for like eight years. That's a long time. I was searching, man. Like school? No, I was searching. Searching for what? A tool. A tool to make this thing a reality. So in university, the tool was mostly just understanding the philosophical underpinnings of Pan-Africanism, which is a whole school of thought. History, in of right. Exactly. And then from there, I was like, uh, uh, Now I know. What I can do, write about stuff? And that was just frustrating to me. So I went to law school because I was just like, there has to be a legal system we can mm. build to mm. create financial independence. Mm. And at that time, I was actually writing about trade agreements, so the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement, things like that. And I was still frustrated. And I was like, you know what? I think the answer is us, young people, young Africans, all these generations of young Pan-African diaspora and on the continent people would answer. But we don't have the, we're not enfranchised to do these things. Like, where's the money gonna come from? Our governments obviously have failed us and continue to fail us. So like, where do we get the money from? And that's where startups came from. Mm. Startups is like the craziest generation, like this craziest generator of wealth in such a short period of time. So then I went to work at an international law firm doing deals for companies, mm. startups. And the hypothesis there was, all right, I kind of get the philosophical underpinnings. I understand that's important. Foundations, fundamentals, you see what I'm saying? Then have a good sense of the legal systems, like how we could build these cross-border things. And then working with startups was like, all right, cool. I don't know how long I want to work for all these Canadian startups, but I want to learn how Silicon Valley, Canada, North America built their financial infrastructure, right? Like yeah. Silicon Valley ignoring the talent and all that stuff at the root, what they did well, was financial infrastructure for startups to raise money at different points in time. So the, the hypothesis there was simple. What if we took that infrastructure, that same kind of thing, and fused it with new financial technologies? At that time, cryptocurrency, that's what I was into in 2017. Wait, um, so yeah. I don't lose track. Yeah. This, what you're about talking about now, yeah. was it at the international law firm, yeah. or that was it after the international law firm, you started thinking about how you can then do that and crypto came about? This was at the law firm. At the law firm. So as I was okay. at the law firm in 2017, there's a law firm called Dentons. I was, I remember I was specifically drafting deals for startups, like Series A, Series B, Series C, and things like that. And then there was a Canadian version of the national venture capital, like rules and documents and things like that. So I, I led the creation of them. And at the same time as when initial coin offerings, which is a way of raising mm. money in crypto, yeah. was popping up. And I was looking at that and I was like, yo, that ain't tokens, that's securities. And so what happens if you take highly liquid securities with financial infrastructure for startups and young African people to grow things. And if you built it in such a way that it was, all this money was being funneled for a purpose, which is to build up the African continent primarily and the Caribbean and Latin America and all these things. And you distributed that wealth as equity throughout the diaspora, that's financial independence. No one has to be in any physical place. You just distribute the equity, everybody's an owner. And then they invested in things that they want to see happen. So for you, for example, if in your hometown you wanted to understand how, I can't think of an example, Mono, keep coming back to Mono, was going to build like infrastructure that solved this problem in a very specific state that you're in, right? And you knew you could calculate the financial return from that. Not only you create an impact you want to see, but you also making money from it. That is like a win-win situation. So how do we build that infrastructure? And that's where Raise came from, mm. directly. How long did you spend in that international law firm? A year and a half. Oh, that was a short months. time, but really short impactful. Term, I, so everyone has a superpower. I feel like mine is a learning. 
Mm. I love to learn, and I, I like to learn quickly. So I was just like, I, okay, I kind of get what's going on here, and I'll bounce. <laughs> Let me figure so this out. If, if you take outside the technicalities of what you learned mm. in terms of tokens and securities and infrastructure and all of this, mm. uh, what would I say intangible lessons did you learn working in that organization? Mm. That is not. Yo, these questions, man, you're killing me. It's very good questions, I have to think. Um, what I learned at Denton's intangible, I think focus, yo. The importance of focus is Explain. one of the most, it's just one of the most beautiful, but un, like when you're focused, you can flow. Mm. And flowing, you, you said you played football, right? And then you do karate, right? You felt what flow is. You felt everyone knows what flow is because you enter that moment where you just, things feel effortless. Mm. Like you're just going through things. And that's what happens when you focus on a very singular thing for amount of time. There's obviously sacrifices you have to make outside of that, but that state of flow is the natural rhythm of the universe and the planet. And when you reach that point is when you perform it at your best. And at that firm is what I understood, the importance of just being focused, you know, just... How did you see that? Was it a, mm. was that something you learned from your experience of, oh, I'm focusing on just learning here, focusing on learning with this startup, yeah. and then you realize the flow, or it was something that you saw people in the organization do, like, give me a bit of context. No, I think I only really learned that recently, yo. So leaning into your superpower is an important thing to understand. I only just understood mine, like, mm. six months ago. I was like, yo, I feel like I pick up things quickly and then able to like digest them and act on them very quickly. What happens if I like intentionally learn? Whereas before I was just learning stuff because I was looking for a tool, right? Yeah. So at Denton's it was like, yeah, I mean, I think I went from junior associate, I didn't know anything about contract law to draft and seriously contracts in the space of like four months. Mm. And I remember all the lawyers being like, that's not normal. And I was like, I just, I just typed yeah. some stuff out. Um, and then, yeah, in those moments, like when you, when you draft in contracts, especially, it's essentially like coding. You got five contracts up, you got six pieces of case law on one computer, et cetera, and you have to basically piece this stuff into a document. Yeah. And that requires a lot of focus. So I guess mm. that skill, but it's only now that I start to understand. And realize, yeah, yeah. in retrospect. Because it leads to that growth hacking is, is, is same concept. You piece together a lot of information into a digestible form and then break it back and do the same thing again. So that's what contracts is. Okay, makes sense. So now let's talk about raise. Uh, when you left the company, did you start raise immediately? Or what did you do? Or, I think so, yeah. How did raise start? It did. It was called Crowdcoin. Crowdcoin, okay. Lamest name. It'll probably <laughs> landed us in jail. Crowdcoin, because the idea was, yo, we want to distribute equity to everybody, right? Yeah, like, and it was based on ICO. It was based on ICO. <laughs> it was based on ICO, <laughs> which is a mistake. Um, <laughs> Tell me why. Um, because ICOs is like banned really quickly, right? Like that was a huge securities, it's still illegal in, in many countries, right? And here we're talking about distributing equity in countries like the Bahamas or Nigeria and who are not set up the infrastructure to be able to support mm. this level of financial decentralization essentially, mm. right? So the core concept of this is that like, Monetary systems, interest rates, loans, um, Nigerian Naira, Kenyan Shilling, all these things have been centralized into the hands of a few people that make these decisions and they are obviously not capable of making those decisions at the level of velocity that we need them to. And equity is one of those things. Equity is controlled by a few set of people who are very wealthy and then, you know, things like that. So ICOs and crypto and all of that is a massive technological and financial revolution that is trying to decentralize ownership of stuff. Mm, and how's, how was Riz doing about it? At the time or just now? Now. Well, yeah. Distributing crypto tokens is very easy to do. 
Mm-hmm. Very easy because the infrastructure is technological has already been built. You have mm-hmm. layers of small contracts that update contracts and um, transactions blocks mm-hmm. constantly updating. Every transaction that happens all across the world is either being updated on an exchange or on the base layer of the actual cryptocurrency protocol that mm-hmm. you're using. Problem with equity though is that there is no single digital source of truth for equity. So let's break down. Speak to me like I don't know anything about what you're saying. So okay. when you say equity, yeah. are you talking about me having shares in a company? Yeah. Are you talking about stock options? Are you talking about having access to certain tokens? Like what exactly does this, what is this equity and who is it for? Equity is ownership. Okay. So equity is ownership of something. That mm-hmm. could be anything. It could be that lamp. It could be anything. In mm-hmm. this case, we're talking about ownership of shares, in private companies. Okay. You have shares, and then on top of that, you could have convertibles and options and save all flavors, yeah. call them flavors. And so, the, so first of all, people yeah. you're targeting and trying to help are people who have access or who can get access to the shares or who have shares in different companies. So, Raise provides a platform that onboards startups, and those, those startups, excuse me, can track all of the equity, who owns it, how much of it they own, how much mm. they've distributed, things like that, and they can distribute it. That is just straightforward SaaS platform. Right. Behind that though, the vision and mission is to create this infrastructure for African equity and private companies where anybody can trade and buy and sell securities on top, but all of the compliance, all of the transactions, all of the things that are necessary to make that engine run are automated using Ray's infrastructure. Right. So I guess Mono, I keep coming back to Mono because it's just, y'all interviewed them, they good. They, you know, they build a layer on top of all of these different banks mm-hmm. and things like that, and then you could basically trade things on top of that layer. Just plug and play. That's essentially what we build in, but for equity. Right. Another comparison is Floodwave. Floodwave built the payment rail so people can now move money across the continent, and that's a lot. You have to automate the currencies, the transactions, the FX rates, the compliance. Like it's a whole stack of things. We build that stack, but for equity. Right. So the future world that we can live in is that someone from who like our relatives who live in UK, for example, to people who live on the continent, be able to sell equity, collateralize against equity, so take loans against them, liquidate them, sell shares, all these different kinds of things will be so natural, just like how we move money today, but now it's not, and that infrastructure needs to be built. So what you're saying about crypto is that in the cryptocurrency world, the reason it works, and I can send transactions to you and anyone right now, is that there is a layer of information that's constantly updating every crypto transaction. But in the world of equity and private companies, that does not exist. Mm. So in our ecosystem, the startup tech, there's what, $5 billion raised last year? All on different platforms. So you have data that's just fragmented all right. over the place. So no one actually knows what they own, mm. which to me is just a huge bubble waiting to like be corrected, mm. right? So here we kind of like being like, all right, let's organize all this stuff into a base layer. That is the base layer. And then now we're gonna add tools for things on top of it. So founders will be able to sell shares, get money, mm. same thing for employees, things mm. like that, in the click of a button. Liquidated into their local accounts, tax deducted. Everywhere. Anywhere in Africa? Anywhere, across the world. Across the world? But for African companies. But for African companies and That's Africans. the focus, exactly. In the last four years that you've been doing raise? Is 2017, you know. So five years this year, but let's stick with four years on some Yeah, it makes you feel better. <laughs> it's been so long, five yeah, years, um, yeah, 2017 to now, April. Five years. Yeah, April's, coming up on April's five. Just, <laughs> April's I'm going to celebrate. I don't know if I should celebrate, but it's uh, been a journey, yo. Yeah, and yeah. that journey, um, two questions. Yeah. What would you say has been the key milestones, the things mm. that's happened that makes you know that 
yeah, I think I'm on the right path. Mm. I think that there is something here that you haven't given up in six months, in one year. I mean, mm. he's in year five. Um, but also, what has been the biggest challenges? The challenges is just the level of patience and persistence you got to have for a long period of time. Mm. Like, we're talking about a startup that is five years in and not nearly making enough money to justify the level of expense that goes into it, right? Like mm. many startups. And what are you spending money on the infrastructure? Um, yeah, mostly salaries. Okay. Mostly salaries. Like, cap table software. So, cap table software is a short term for what this is. And I think there's only like six like really good cap table platforms on the planet. Mm -hmm. So we're not that many, and most of them in states in Delaware, right? Mm -hmm. But the ones that have worked spend two to three million dollars when they start out, but now they're making like two to four hundred million dollars a year mm. um, because that data is like super essential, and you have to build that infrastructure first. So the milestone is now, yo. Like we in this crazy, crazy inflection point. When we started this, most founders did not care about equity mm. at all. Like. And I was like, why do I need a captive? And we still face that today. Mm. And it's nuts, because I always just like, why, why are y'all doing all this? Like, what are you building? Like, if you don't understand what your equity is for, you don't understand the fundamentals of why this ecosystem exists. Mm. We're just building stuff otherwise. Like, this equity creates financial independence for many, many different people. Yeah. And if we organize that really well, they become talented, they build other things, and then we build in generational wealth. Equity is ownership, ownership is generational wealth. Mm. Um, but in 2019, no one cared. Now people care a lot. And a lot of people know us. Like our brand equity is growing as a result of just being persistent, you know, for a long time. So we're in this crazy milestone period, inflection point right now where we have the right investors on our cap table. We have the right partners who are lined up. We have the right products that are lined up. And now we're in the process of going back to market with a very clear value proposition after we you finish our back to seed. market, did you kind of leave market before? No, you would appreciate this, like growth hacking, right? Like we just, it just became apparent that the value proposition of raise wasn't that clear. Mm. Especially because people don't really care about cap tables that much and there hasn't been that much liquidity for people to be like, oh, I get why I need that. Mm -hmm. And most cap table platforms as a grudge purchase, like no one likes to use them. It's kind of mm. like email, like you have to use it. Mm -hmm. But for us, we're trying to make it fun and enjoyable to use cap table software. So we have to like, we're redesigning an entire platform and uh, go to market in the value proposition, which is why we hired the growth hacker mm. to be like, all right, cool. This is now what Raise actually is based on our learnings of the ecosystem. Oh, and what is that? Still trying to figure out, but where it's leaning towards is that it's this equity infrastructure. It's not just like a SaaS platform. We're mm. building an equity infrastructure that is... So people can see the big picture, not just the what it is right now. Yeah, yo, people see us a collection of tools. And I'm just like, uh, that's not no. we much, like, we, that's not what we're doing at all. We build in tools that create prosperity for African people by using equity and ownership as a tool. That was nice. <laughs> you cut yourself. Whoa. Say it again if you can. I don't even remember, but you recorded it so good. That's where the brand is going. So we're rebranding and stuff right now. And like we had some big investors come on the cap table recently. And yeah, we definitely position ourselves as the, that's why I say the go-to platform, the equity platform. It is building cap table infrastructure is an extremely like technical lift. It's yeah. not easy. Like forget, you know, most companies should just go to their customers all the time. That's always the case. but. You know, we like us. We'd go out get customers, and they'd come. One bug, never see them again. Because cap table ownership is so sensitive. Mm. As a startup, you come on board on raise, and this has happened many times, and we've corrected it. Um, company comes on board, they send out a certificate to one of their shareholders. Like you know how people yeah. take investor conversations seriously. One bug, could have been a VPN, <laughs> could have been all kinds of different things. 
but it's always our fault. We bear the liability, all right? And then those people bounce. So in as much as we have to go to customers and understand our value prop, we also have to maintain this Tech. unnecessarily complicated piece of infrastructure to do this kind of stuff that has such a high trust associated with it. And I think that's why we go into this milestone is because we've been around for a while and time in the market is trust. Mm. Um, we've worked with a lot of people. We have a lot of equity on the platform at this yeah. point. So now is the milestone. And the major challenge is just persistence and patience. Mm. Continuing the persistence and patience. Because I mean, that's, that's literally what has taken you to this. Yeah, the mission. Future. Equity, like, there's monetary systems and then there's capital markets. Monetary systems is money, payments. Then there's capital markets, which is capital that moves around in markets, which is equity, stock, shares, all these different things. Right now, you're seeing a bunch of companies building out payments infrastructure, mm -hmm. right? Um, we need equity infrastructure. So we build that part of it. And when you can kind of, and this is what I think is what I just so bullish on. You have this mix of extremely advanced payment infrastructure, Flutterwave, Mono, Oka, all these different platforms, and extremely um, intricate and well-built equity infrastructure. Yo, like the financial infrastructure we would have created and left for this ecosystem in this continent is worth dying for. And that's the only reason, at least for me, patience and just persistence. And many members of our team, same thing. We just know that this is a game changer and it'll take a while and the financial returns will have been worth it. But more importantly, the infrastructure we leave in behind is like nothing else. Like Silicon Valley, I think it took like 45, 60 years for them to have a cap table platform. And it's not that great. You see what I'm saying? Like that's where we are and that's why we persistent because we know the impact of this is worth trillions of dollars. Hmm. Not billions. We've done five years. If you were going to go back to year one, hmm. um, if you had the opportunity to go back and change anything, what would you change? That higher growth hacker. <laughs> <laughs> First thing, a growth hacker and a product manager, that'll be the first thing I do. We hired engineers. Yeah. Yeah, not not the best. Mm, tell Even. me why. Add more context. Because is that weird dichotomy, right? Like, we know that we engineer in advanced financial contracts using blockchain based systems and smart contracts and regular traditional databases. So, it's things we just gotta build, right? But, like, that's silly. Like, I wish we would have understood our value proposition mm. way more clearly and built it as a solution to a problem versus just like engineering something that we know would mm. make sense for the ecosystem. Mm. Growth Hacker Product Manager. Any startup, any team we build now internally, so now we build in a decentralized finance team internally, finally, we've been waiting for such a long time. And it's a growth hacker and a product manager. Always That's first. it. That's it. We have the engineering capacity. They could always get what they need. Growth Hacker, Product Manager, and Designer. Those three mm. things. And they just test until um, we find products that work. So that they're gonna be releasing liquidity products. So you could sell stock options, ETF, things like that, using the raise infrastructure as an API. Mm. How many people do you have on your team right now? 14 people. What's, what's the, what are you, what, what do you look for when mm. you're hiring? Patience. And persistence. Yeah, people who like How do you focused and disciplined. Test that? It's hard. I mean, that's why we, so we have a three-month period to see how people work out and how we work out for them, right? Because you never know. And when we're looking, we're just looking for people who like excited about what we're doing first. And then once we get that, like Growth Hacker, a great example, super excited. And then his thesis for why he was joining Raise was extremely clear. I was like, cool, you should join us. And then now it's just like a process of here's, here's all the stuff. Do, do what you do. And the same thing, we just hire for that. 
Cool. And then what did you decide to, you know, build raise in Nairobi? Mm. As against maybe any other African country? Um, I have nothing against Nairobi. I'm just wow. curious. Just, I, I realize that question would have come up. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious. In I mean, because you moved yeah. from another continent. So yeah, what I'm asking Toronto. is really, why, why did you choose to move to Kenya? Um, it was a process. It was research. So in 2018, I took a one-way flight to the continent, backpack, no money left. With race, because like, it, was, it was a pitch deck. And then I was in Joburg, Cape Town. Do you have friends here? No one. I didn't know anyone on the continent. I knew people from school, but I didn't know anyone here at all. Zero. Okay. It was just it was just me for a long time. Joburg, Cape Town, that was cool but weird. And then Kenya and Uganda I went to. And then when you look at the map of the ecosystem funding at the time, I was just looking for the place that had the most amount of venture funding, one, and then two the most amount of focus on social impact metrics. Mm. Those two things. And even still, I think Kenya is the one that ranks the highest in those two different things. Mm. But at the time, there wasn't TechCrunch articles about African startups. Like, that wasn't a thing, right? Yeah. It's just people raising money in different places in Kenya and here. And then, so there was, yeah, there was social impact metrics, venture funding, and mobile money. Mm. Those are the three things. Because we have what to build. What will the mobile money play, or what does it play in ways? Um, equity will have to be mobile, right? The next generation yeah. people won't really use computers and laptops like mm. that. They'll be using mobile phones to trade high frequency assets, and mm. we have to build that on top of mobile money. I live on crypto for a long time now, and most of my crypto passes back through mobile money. Mm. I probably shouldn't say that. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I don't say anything. He's an international guy. Makes sense. Mm. Makes sense. Um, has raised, mm. raised. Yes. And how long did it take you? Oh, so our last seed round in last seed round October. Or? Our first seed round, our last okay. seed round was in October this year. It took. We started fundraising on September seventeenth. I think we closed on like October second, something like that. 2.3 million, yeah, it took like a week and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, we measured everything, because it was an experiment. It was like, yeah. what is the anatomy of a seed round? And that was like? the first time you were raising money? A seed round, no, no. We raised a pre-seed round from Binance, cryptocurrency okay. exchange in 2019, mm -hmm. and that money lasted us about 24 months, and then we raised again seed round. We, we stretched. I believe very much that we don't need, we need more profitable African startups. Mm. We don't need high growth loss making. I don't think that's reasonable. So we try and stretch out our runway. Yeah. Responsibly. So, how, how, from the data you collected, what well, what made the race so short and so successful? Um, planning. We just planned a lot, and we collected a lot of data upfront, and we used the race platform. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, once it went live, yeah, and we closed it, and we measured how high the valuation went up and down, and, mm. and different points in the fundraise. Because the fundraise is essentially an auction, right? Mm. You s it's not. Is even a narrative around it is like we're fundraising, it makes us look all like charitable cases. No, we're selling equity in extremely talented companies and teams. Mm. That's a very different frame of thinking. Mm. Mm. So when we went to market, it was like we're not fundraising, like we 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 don't need to fundraise. Like we're selling you equity in this thing. Do you want to be a part of it? If mm. not, there's other people that we really think would be very mm. valuable. What do you bring to the table? So I think just having that narrative and preparing the data ahead of time and then using a raise platform, hint hint to your customers, <laughs> um, made it, yeah, fast, very fast. It wasn't about speed, it was about the efficiency. Because most companies will fundraise and then not update their cap table and things after. All of that stuff happened in one period of time. Mm. 
Kathy was clean, all that stuff happened in, yeah, two weeks. Interesting. And what is the what what plans do you have? I mean, you mentioned mm -hmm. building a decentralized finance team in between. You mentioned mm -hmm. like going really deep into infrastructure. Yeah. Are there other things that this you know this round is helping you do? Um, I think the round is helping us work with really talented people, growth hackers, experienced product really managers. Really like your growth hacker. I'm such a fan. <laughs> I've been seeing this stuff and I'm like, you telling me that we could launch landing pages like this quickly? <laughs> I've been waiting for this for a long time. I like I built our whole website initially. Now we have someone who can do that. As a founder, you just want to fire yourself. Probably ask for a raise. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for real. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, shouldn't say. But, um, yeah, one is hot work with really like people who join the mission and want to stay. You know what I mean? Like, as an example, we had a product manager recently, and she's experienced, yo. Like, I had a conversation and I was like, I don't know, I, I don't know how to lead you, yo. Like, she's worked <laughs> at IBM, she's led all kind of different teams, and the other day she was like, Yeah, I I really want to ride this out. And I was like, Wow, all these brilliant people mm. with all these skills are like, we we understand where we going. Let's build this out for the next like ten years. So that's the first thing. Second thing is um, our platform, the product now, we're releasing a new version of it now over the next five, six months, just different sequences of it up until a rebrand. And that rebrand is like, we're not tools, we're infrastructure. And this is how we look. Change the name? No. Raise is good, man. Raise yeah, is nice. Yeah, it's good. It's but so good. We, we changed the domain name to Raise South Africa because it's like investors ask me all the time. It's like, ah, oh, you know, this is a global thing. Sure, it, definitely. But we care about our people and the African continent, so we're Raise for Africa, and that is going to be so strong in the branding, unapologetically. So, <laughs> so product releases, working with talented people, and then. Um, Third thing is, yeah, the decentralized finance. I've been waiting for that for a long time. That means that, you know, experimenting things like, yo, instead of investing in one financial tech startup in Nigeria, invest in a basket of them. Mm. Or we have, you know, these five companies in Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa just raised money, and we know that the value of their stock option pools is now 15 million. Press this button and we'll return 10 million to all of these different employees in five seconds to all of their accounts, and then they can invest cowrie wise and piggy vest and all these different things. That's what that decentralized finance arm is going to let us do. That's Sounds very exciting. Yo. Because <laughs> we can measure it now, right? Yeah. Like we, so one of the biggest and hardest things about what we're doing, we're basically building infrastructure for a stock exchange. Like I think that's the easiest way to say yeah. it, right? And to do that, you have to bootstrap liquidity. You, you're familiar with bootstrapping, right? Yeah. Bootstrap liquidity is very hard because in a traditional marketplace, growth hacking, you have to find a demand side and supply side, like Uber, right? Yeah. But in cap tables, our approach was, it's really hard to get both of those sides to be happy at the same time. Trust me, we've tried. And we ended up being like, our vision is to create access to finance for startups yeah. and their teams. That's where we focus. And that is a brilliant bootstrapping technique because every startup we onboard has a valuation mm. and that valuation continues to grow. So now we can measure that and I can't say publicly, but it's significant. Like as a result of onboarding so many startups over time and their value growing and their value being instituted at the time, created like hundreds of millions of dollars equity. So now we're looking at it like, whoa, we actually bootstrap liquidity. Now how do we turn this huge network of the ecosystem back on itself to start creating liquidity? Companies doing this anyway, Yeah. but it's like, Burden some paper and things. It's just like let's reduce the buttons, connect it to mono, pay out people into their bank accounts, make it really, 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 really easy. 
yeah. that's the next phase makes sense um and I, and I think you might have answered this in, in different ways but and this is my last question mm -hmm. um but in very simple terms why should people care about raise you talk a lot about the founders and mm -hmm. investors and the cap table people that have the equity um in the Af African tech ecosystem, um, there's still there's still a lot of companies that are not giving their employees shares right. and equity. Right? There's still a lot. So, uh, when people think about risk first for equity, by default, I would think, oh yeah, it's mostly for the investors and founders. So, is there any mm. reason um, for employees and just everyday people to care? Is there any way that this can directly impact them enough to say, okay, I want to look forward to what you're building? Yeah. In very simple terms. Yeah, people could, I mean, in very simple terms, all of us want to wake up every day and enjoy what we do. And a big reason sometimes we're not able to do that is because we have so many financial stresses behind us that are preventing us from having a clear mind to focus and find flow. So if employees, founders, shareholders, investors, whoever they are, these tools will create a lot of financial independence for a lot of people. You know? And like the more headspace they have, the better of a continent they, you know, if you don't have to think about just the bare necessities and things you're just trying to put in place for your family, mm -hmm. the more headspace you have to think about things that you actually want to create and be a part of creating. And employees is actually where it starts. So you'll see a lot of platforms, there's a lot of fundraising platforms and ecosystem and stuff like that, and they're very like investor focused, which I think is cool. But then our question is always like, okay, cool, where are these investors from? Do they actually care about Africa or are they just trying to make 100x? You know what I mean? So um, in simple terms, we're just trying to create financial independence for young people like us and create that headspace to create things that we all want to create without having to stress about things. I'm not trying, like imagine waking up on Monday and just enjoy it. Like I love waking up on Monday and all these days. It's like, yeah, everybody should have that. Yeah, I want to have that too. You have it. Just the <laughs> mindset, you know? Yeah, mm. makes sense. Um, mm. And that was my last question. So mm. this last, last one is, Tell me. Do you, is there a question about yourself or race that you would have wanted me to ask you that I didn't? Um, or that you would have loved to answer? No. You did, did a you good job at it? poking my soul. Let me think about it. A question that... You would have loved to answer. Yeah, why are we doing this? Why are you doing this? Same thing, creating access to financial <laughs> independence for people. Like independence is financial independence is not everything. There's things far more important than money will ever be, but it it matters. It, it really does. And the next generation of people could have education. They could have all the things that they want in the world, hopefully responsibly, and we don't mess this up. But that's why we exist to create access to finance. Okay, I like that. Do you know what I like about your story? Mm. I'll tell you a few things. One, I resonated when you said that you found that your superpower is learning. Mm. I think it's like, I feel like one of the most important things in life is just really knowing who you are. Yeah. And like, just not, you're just knowing where you, where you come from, but like, what makes me me and what makes me different and what can I use to my advantage? And so mm. just being able to identify your superpower, I mm. think like anybody, anybody that does that, it can just take you really far. So mm. that was like really just good to point. I'm like, oh yeah, I was like, hmm, smart. Mm. Um, and also just the fact that you kept Reiterating persistence and patience. Mm -hmm. um, startups look fancy on the outside now, especially mm -hmm. with tech articles. Mm -hmm. It looks. I mean, even me, I want to. I want to raise money. <laughs> I. I don't know what I want to build here, but I want oh, to build. There's <laughs> obligations <laughs> behind that. <laughs> trust. Um, so it looks really. It, it can look very. Oh my God, it's shiny, and there's so many announcements and right, all these right, cool right, things. But right. I, I liked the sincerity of just. It, it has taken a lot of patience yeah. and persistence because that tells that it's been challenging mm -hmm. and hasn't been a lot of fun. And but it's just I. 
I believe in the mission. And that's something mm -hmm. that, I mean, you didn't have to say it so much, like, oh, this is my mission, and I believe so much in the mission. But just talking about how much you've persisted and you're just being patient and knowing that what you're building is something that you're building for 10 years and 20 years, a trillion years. Mm -hmm. It's many like, more, yeah, the, I like, I really like that fact. It's just like, there's something behind it, and I'm not building it for now. And because I know that this is it's going to leave me and make trillions of dollars. You mentioned right. that. Exactly. Um, I can then just be content in the moment and just persist and just be patient and say at some point hopefully work. you know just take it easy enjoy it every work. day it's it's a multi i think last time i wrote is like a vision for like a thousand plus years this may or may not exist in the future probably not but it would have laid the foundation of something else mm. and a key tenant of rastafari is two things knowledge of self so i that's why we say i all the time and then patience and persistence and trust in in, in god and Jah. And that just sums who you are. Yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> Amazing. It's been very, very nice getting to know you and hearing you talk. At some point, I was like, I feel like I'm too stupid for this conversation. No, man, don't I, say that. I, I need to go That's read up a, a lot more on like mm. all of this, you know, lingua on tokens and securities and infrastructure. And I'm like, I'm following, but then sometimes I'm like, peace are you following? I'm like, I'm following. But it was, <laughs> I love it was, it. It was very fun. Thank I you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks and for the question. Yeah, thank Poking you. my soul. Do you feel poked? No. Yes. <laughs> I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely did. Okay, but it was awesome. Uh, I appreciate the had, time. Yeah, I, I had a good conversation. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this podcast to the end. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I hope that you have been inspired or motivated to get better in your careers, in your businesses, in your life. I hope this, you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure you subscribe to the videos on my YouTube channel at PCTimi or just search for Founders Connect and you'll find the playlist and then subscribe to the channel. Also, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Leave a rating also so more people can find it and also talk about the episode that you listen to. Hashtag Founders Connect across social media. Hey, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace out.